27. Joseph Stanley here with Root at 27, a podcast ministry of Red House Baptist Church. And we have Shama Lordon behind the camera and uh, handling our recording. And uh, we're glad that you decided to listen today to, uh, to our podcast ministry. As you know, uh, we're based on Colossians 2, 7, which speaks of us becoming more rooted in Christ, that we're building our lives upon Him. And our goal is for you to be as Christians flourishing and uh, growing the Lord every day of your life. That happens through a various uh, ways as we have this ministry. We uh, want to make sure we're gospel-focused, uh, theologically sound, and then we also want to just think of things that can apply to your life to help you every in your everyday Christian walk with the Lord. And uh, we typically have various guests on, and we learn about their ministry and testimony, which encourages me personally. And today I'm glad to be joined by Dr. Danny Davis, who is the Associational Mission Strategist of the Tates Creek Baptist Association. And uh, welcome today. I'm glad to have you. Thanks. Good to be here. And uh, you've been here in uh, the area with for how long now? A little over five years. I came on staff with the association in 2015. Interestingly, just a couple weeks ago, I was introduced at a church as having been here since 1915. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> uh, not quite. 2015, actually, is when I started. Okay. And uh, you're there. What does the association do? What does that consist of? Just, just tell us briefly. Well, it's a network of churches, like-minded churches. We're, we're all Southern Baptist mm -hmm. churches and Kentucky Baptist churches. And this is um, a, a group that affiliates together for the purpose, not only of fellowship and encouragement, but to do ministry together. We have 40 churches in our Tates Creek Baptist Association, and most of those are in Madison County, uh, Richmond, Berea, and outlying areas. And uh, we have actually six in uh, Garrett County uh, to the west of us and one in uh, Estill County to okay. the east of us. So we have 40 again. 40, okay. And uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're married, got children, and uh, tell about your ministry prior to coming here. Okay. Um, I grew up in the town of Williamsburg, Kentucky, which if you go down I-75, it would be your last Kentucky exit before going into Tennessee. I actually spent the first 25 years of my life there, went to school there. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Or? I did grow up in a Christian home, uh, only child. My mom and dad, both very active members of my home church in Williamsburg. Uh, dad was a deacon uh, and, and mom was a teacher and uh, they were just, uh, church was very much a part of our life. Uh, when I was nine years of age, uh, I came under conviction of my need to make uh, my own decision for Christ. I knew I couldn't ride into heaven on my parents' coattails, as it were. So I felt the conviction of my own sin, my need to trust Christ for salvation, and I did. At age nine, I was baptized and, and continued to grow in my faith as a, as a child. Um, I uh, met and married my high school sweetheart there in Williamsburg, my wife Sandy. And I went to the local college there. It was called Cumberland College. Did you have then. any idea about being in ministry at that point? Or? I did not, actually. Now, my wife says when she married me, she knew that I would be in ministry. I didn't have that on my radar. Um, not that I would have been opposed to it. I just didn't, mm -hmm. didn't feel uh, a leaning that way. Um, in college, I actually majored in uh, had 
two majors, had uh, business administration and history and political science. And when I got out of college, I wasn't sure exactly what I'd do, but I wound up with an opportunity to work in a local bank. So I was in banking for like four years. And then God called me to the ministry. I was uh, in my uh, mid-20s, surrendered to the ministry at age 25. And so I lived the first 25 years of my life all in the same town. By that time, my wife and I had a son. And uh, at eight, with him being a one-year-old then, I um, felt the need uh, for education. I already had a college degree, but I felt a need for ministry education. Mm-hmm. So we went off to seminary, did something unusual. We didn't go here in Kentucky. A lot of people would go to Southern in Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Uh, we actually went to North Carolina, okay. and I went to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and um, which... Um, you know, it was good actually to get out of my home state and and um, get in some other area. So I went to school there, got my master's degree. And then from na- there, that put me on a trajectory where I was over in that part of the country, you know, mm-hmm. having left Kentucky. So my first pastorate uh, was in Danville, Virginia, uh, which is a, a mill town, small city of about 45,000 midway across Virginia. Then I went back into North Carolina and pastored a large rural congregation. And from there, uh, my wife and I went to western Kentucky. <clears throat> so we're back in our home state, mm-hmm. but a different region. Pastored there uh, for a few years and then made a move uh, to Florida. And I pastored First Baptist Church of Claremont, which is a bedroom community of the Orlando area. And that was my longest tenure. I was there 11 and a half years. And at that point in my life, I've been in four churches in four different states. And I said, man, every time I leave a church, I have to leave the state, too, you know. <laughs> so, but then uh, I wound up going back to the city where I started. My first church was in that city of Danville, Virginia. There was another church that called me there. Uh, some years later, so I went back to Danville, Virginia, pastored for about nine years. And so all told, I pastored uh, five churches in 30 years. Then I got the call to come here and work with pastors and churches as um, a counselor, advisor. Yeah, I was going to say, what, is, what does your job right now entail, yeah. you know, and how did yeah. uh, being a pastor prepare you for this job right now? Well, it will prepared me for it. Uh, the job, well, you know, they changed the title since I've been here, really? you know, for many years it was director of missions. And then there was a top down change that occurred at the Southern Baptist convention level, uh, to change it into something that sounded more, uh, strategic. And so they came up with a new name, a new moniker, associational mission strategist. And many of the associations have adopted that across the board. So I went from being a DOM to an AMS <laughs> or a mess, if you pre- would prefer. But uh, the idea is they wanted to bring out more of the strategic aspect of the role, that uh, an associational mission strategist can be a friend to pastors, a pastor to pastors, if you will, a shepherd to the shepherd, uh, an encourager, but also strategic in trying to work with the churches and coordinate them in in shared ministries together. So a strategic, like whether it be starting some new community ministry or or planting churches or whatever it might be. So 
I always find it interesting how someone, like you said, you was in banking at first, and then the Lord can call you to preach, and then some 30, over 30 years later, then you're sitting here in ministry. It's like how God can take someone's life and completely change it around when you're uh, willing to surrender to Him and be used by Him. Uh, Give us a little history about the Tate's Creek Baptist Association and what what you know. um, (laughs) I know it goes way back. It goes way back. Actually, it's it's over 200 years old. It goes back... uh, to uh, the the early days, it predates um, uh, our country. It predates uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Actually, uh, it's been around a long time and uh, long, long history. Uh, along the way, um, it has uh, had a number of different churches that participated in it. Uh, inevitably, over two hundred years, you have some churches come and go. Of course, yeah. uh, some uh, uh, regrettably close their doors. But um, but we stand at forty strong now mm-hmm. as far as our churches, and uh, you know it's uh, I, like I said I, I I just represent a very small sliver of the long history of this association, but you know th- the great value in an association is um, obviously as Baptists we believe in the autonomy of the local church, but. We're so much better together when we work together. We we need each other. Uh, we know the writer of Proverbs says, "Iron sharpens iron." We need that. Mm-hmm. And and churches are better when they work with others. Pastors are better when they work together with other pastors. And so we we have um, uh, at the national level the Southern Baptist Convention, with which uh, churches voluntarily associate. Also the KBC. Kentucky Baptist Convention, that's another voluntary thing. But when you have a local association right in the, actually almost right in the literally same mission field together, there's something about that. You know, an AMS, for example, as I am, is closer to you. It's mm-hmm. closer to your church, closer to the action, if you will, closer to your situation. So it promotes that we're autonomy of the local church, but we're not isolationists either. We're, we're associating yeah. with one another yes. and coordinating yes. uh, for the Great Commission and for missions and, and things exactly. of that nature. But I've, I've just been reminded of that. And you know, one of the things I've seen in, in COVID is, this will sound maybe unusual to your folks, but in my five plus years here, actually 2020, um, I believe is my most fruitful year of ministry. Even though we experienced shutdowns, mm-hmm. even though we had to eliminate uh, a lot of meetings and different things we had planned, it seemed like the Lord changed all of our plans dramatically uh, this past year. But what I found is there was more of a desire among a lot of our pastors and leaders for fellowship, for encouragement, uh, just for advice. Uh, we, we need one another. We need one another, definitely. Exactly. So I found more of an openness to pastors who were reaching out to me, and more of an ability to pour into them, because we were all going through some uncharted territory together, mm-hmm. and and people helped each other by sharing. Well, how are you handling this at your church? Or what are you doing at your church? You know. So it was very helpful. Exchanging ideas between yeah. one another. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Uh, tell us about some initiatives. I know the Gospel to Every Home is one that's a big one right now in the KBC and promoting mm-hmm. locally as well. Yeah. Uh, our church is just starting to get introduced to it. We're not really there yet. But if you could just give us a brief overview of what that is. Sure. 
Sure. There is actually a, a, an organization at the national level. It's an evangelical um, organization, not a denomination, but they're called Saturate USA. And uh, at some point they came up with a vision to take the gospel to every household in the United States of America. Incredible goal. Wow. And the Kentucky Baptist Convention chose to partner with them to cover the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And that's how our churches got involved with it. Kentucky Baptists have bought into it in a very big way. Uh, through Saturate USA, a tremendous number of materials are being provided absolutely free, no cost. I mean, it's really incredible. And uh, so all these materials are, are, are being doled out according to zip codes. Uh, we have several zip codes that mm -hmm. we're doing in our, um, our area, if you will. And uh, our churches, uh, I'm encouraging them to be involved. Uh, again, it's a voluntary thing, uh, but uh, we need uh, a lot of hands on deck to take care of this. So I believe it was, what, 1.7 million Kentuckians that they're yeah. trying to reach or yeah. the homes. Or and actually, yeah, the 1.7 million is the household. Yeah. So that, that's either a house or an apartment. It's, it's, it's going to be a physical address. It doesn't include P.O. boxes, mm -hmm. but it's physical addresses where a home delivery could be made of a gospel packet. And so 1.7 million across the state. In the, um, in the Richmond zip code, um, we have uh, just over 25,000. Uh, and you realize that zip code extends quite yeah. a distance outside of Richmond. But uh, counting all of our zip codes that we service as an association, uh, we have, uh, we're looking at 42,000 homes. Wow. So we're looking for our 40 churches to step up to the plate and go to 42,000 households throughout um, Madison and, and Garrett counties predominantly. Yeah, it's definitely a large number. You're like, wow, how are we going to reach all those? But it is a, a all these materials have been provided. As we said yeah. at our meeting the other day, we had the materials are there. They just yeah. need to pack it together and distribute it yeah. and uh, given to people who need the gospel. And why, why do you think it's important we share the gospel? Oh, my. Just give because... a simple <laughs> answer. I know there's a large one to that. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, it's just, um, you know, all of us were made in the image of God. All of us have a, a spiritual need. Uh, man uh, is a sinner by nature, mm -hmm. sinner by choice, and Christ is is the only hope for the human race. Jesus Christ, he's he's the way, the truth, and the life. And we've got to get that message out that Christ came to die, uh, that sinners might be saved and reconciled to God. And even though we live in a culture where we would think everybody has at least heard that somewhere along the way, it's amazing uh, the number of people that haven't. Somehow they haven't. And, uh, and, and right now, it seems maybe for some like a strange time to um, be doing a door-to-door -door effort with what we've been coming through with the pandemic. But yet there's a lot of people out there behind the door of that home that are hurting. Uh, they're in need. They have questions. They don't know where to get answers. And, you know, you just never know the impact a visit could have. Uh, we want to be careful when we go out. I've told the people that you don't necessarily need to set it as your goal to, to, to verbally engage. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but we certainly want people to feel at ease if we come to their be door. Be sensitive for be sure. Be sensitive yeah. because of the concerns about COVID. But um, the packets that we're offering uh, that your church will be passing mm -hmm. out and other churches, 
Um, it has um, not only printed gospel material, it has a DVD with films on the life of Christ that are in eight different languages. So these are great tools. And from a church's perspective, there's not a better time to do it because all this is free that's coming to you. And uh, you just need people to go. Do you think it's an awesome opportunity to to uh, gear the people of churches up to be more evangelistic. Not yeah. saying churches aren't already, yeah. but that we remember what our purpose is. And then we're also remembering just because the pandemic's going on doesn't mean the gospel needs to stop being shared that we're forgetting about it or the Great Commission is over. Yeah. It's still very present uh, and expected as us as uh, Christians to be very, participating. Very true, very true. Uh, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, I know I talked to you or put in the email, we're talking a little bit about church and attending church. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, some churches are having services, some aren't, and not judging which is right or wrong. Everybody's sensitive to their own people and yeah. their own needs. True. But gearing up towards post-pandemic time, whenever everyone feels safe to attend church and churches are open again, uh, it's good that we remember why we attend church in the first place because I heard a, a number the other day that said 30% of the people who were attending regularly before COVID do not plan on returning after post-pandemic. So uh, I think it's good we kind of remember why we go to church in the first place and kind of gear our minds up why we should be ready to attend whenever it's safe and people feel it's it's okay to do so. Well, um first thing that comes to my mind is in the book of Hebrews, uh, we're told uh, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves, which is interesting in that this was written during the first century. It was written to Jewish Christians. So it was being written to believers. So apparently there was already an issue there of some people not being faithful mm-hmm. in their uh, in gathering with the body. Uh, but that's a command from the Lord. And uh, it's very important for us. Uh, it's, it's so needful for our spiritual health and vitality to be connected uh, with other growing believers. Again, I mentioned a moment ago in Proverbs, uh, we have the statement about iron sharpening iron. Um, we don't stay sharp if we're in isolation. God always called us to be a part of a family. Uh, it's always about the people of God. Um, while God cares for every single individual, it's definitely not a Lone Ranger faith. It's not a private matter. We need to be a part of a people mm-hmm. that are, are mobilized together uh, to worship God together, to encourage one another, to mutually edify one another, and to do the work of ministry together. And um, it's encouraging to do that. Um, you may have heard the old story about uh, if you have a, a, a campfire and mm-hmm. you have the coals and they're burning and you take some tongs and you lift one coal away and put it over here, it goes cold yeah. uh, because it's not connected with the rest. And Christian can so easily go cold. And sitting home for an extended period of time can be hard on us. And I'm so grateful for technology. I'm grateful we can do things like we're doing here. I'm grateful for the live streaming of worship services. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. And I think it's wonderful how so many of our churches that weren't doing that before have stepped up and doing a really great job with that. Um, But we need to be with other people. And uh, again, every church has got to decide on their their timetables. Mm-hmm. Like you said, some uh, maybe are not meeting right now. But ultimately, we get beyond this. We want to be back together, and we need it. We so desperately need it to be together. Yeah, I guess yeah. I definitely agree. And if you look through the New Testament, 
Jesus seemed to put a big emphasis on his church. Yeah. And yeah. even local bodies that's yeah. in each community. You know, the majority of the New Testament is written to local churches, you know. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Uh, it seems like the New it values it, and, and we can emulate that value as well. And, and it's true, and I don't have an exact count on this, but there is a large number of commands uh, in the New Testament that um, use the phrase one another, mm-hmm. uh, love one another, you know, pray for one another, care for one another, do this one. How are you going to do the one another unless yeah. we're together? And so the strong implication there is we need one another. We need to encourage and help and be with one another. Yeah, I think it definitely is thinking of this. Say if someone's sick in a hospital, you want to have that fellowship with your church that you can call them and know they're praying for you and they know who you are. You know, And I'm not saying the church won't be willing to pray for anyone, mm-hmm. but you want that special connection where you're willing there to care for one another, you're, uh, provides opportunity to show compassion, where you're willing to come alongside someone who's suffering or who has a loss in their family yes. uh, to be able to encourage them and to help them. I have another question. What about not just going to church, but being involved in the actual work of a church, um, being involved in the ministry as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Because, um, you know, church is not something we attend. Church is something we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we have misused the word church, you know, let's go to church. And we think of the building. Yeah, we think of the building. We think of an event related to attending something at the building. Um, But... We, we have to be the church, and that means, you know, every one of us were called to be ministers and servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a Christian is to be a Christ follower. And, um, and so nobody, nobody's part of an audience that goes to watch and observe. The only audience is God. He's mm-hmm. watching all of us. And so all of us are on the stage, as it were, serving the Lord wherever God would use us. And, and we need to be engaged. We need to. It's, it, it's um, unfortunate that some people have disconnected that because uh, Christianity, uh, it, it, it's something you do. It's something you are. It's something you do. Um, it, it involves uh, your life. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking when we are at a worship service and we're there together. We're not there as an audience. We're an yeah. active part of that yeah. church gathering together. We're part of worshiping God. It's not yeah. just we're a spectator sitting there listening to the preacher, yeah. listening to the music. Yeah. We're an active part of that. Exactly. We're, 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 we're a part of it. We mean something to the service. Yes. And our absence, yeah. uh, it means something as well. And uh, I think that looks different for everyone when we say being active in the church because some people automatically think, well, I can't sing, I can't preach or teach. Mm-hmm. So what can I do? But I think as we show our show to the Lord that we have a willing heart to mm-hmm. help, to serve, yes. God will show us and open doors as long as we have open eyes to look for those doors Amen. Uh, that fits what our particular um, qualities are, our particular likes yes. that will fit right into as long as we're willing uh, to follow the Lord in that. Yes. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on uh, your ministry or the churches or anything we've cl- discussed today? Well, you know, these have been tough times, and, uh, and, and, and they are tough times still. Um, but, you know, I, I know uh, I have seen and observed, and I'm sure you have as well, mm-hmm. um, a lot of anxiety. People worry about this. Um, but Jesus repeatedly told us, do not worry, mm-hmm. do not worry. He said um, 
in uh, Matthew 6, that's where actually he said three times in uh, a few verses there, do not worry. But he ended that by saying, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And a lot of times we get focused on the functions of life. You know, there's things we have to do to live life. There are chores we have and different things. We have bills to pay and all that. But we need to focus on life. What is mm-hmm. life? And life is has a purpose. We were made uh, to serve God. We were made to know Him and hopefully to have eternal fellowship with Him as we put our faith and trust in Him. And so I would just say, you know, a lot of people worrying today, hey, God's on His throne. God is on His throne. And, um, you know, I just don't worry about stuff. I don't mean to be naive, but but um, what do we gain through worry? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about worry and a definition I heard a long time ago. Worry is, is grief by faith. And what I mean by that, you're already grieving as if the worst, worst has already happened. Yeah. You know, so you, it's almost like you have faith that the worst is going to happen. We need to let that go. Yeah, I agree. And, and just don't worry. God's in control. God's on His throne. And let's be busy about our Father's business. Sometimes it sounds cliche to say God's in control, but yeah. it, it's a fact of the Bible. It's a fact. Yeah, and it's, it is. And if we really let that uh, sound in our minds and our hearts yeah. shape our worldview, yeah. then when we look at all the calamity in the world, we look at all the problems happening, we know still God is still in control. We can Amen. go back to that and uh, bring peace to our heart and uh, strengthen us to help us become more rooted in Christ that we're building yes. our life upon Him. We appreciate you coming on today right. and uh, taking your time out of your day to talk with us and share more about your ministry. So hopefully people at our church and other people in our association can learn a little bit more about uh, Dr. Davis and, and uh, different things we've learned here today. Thank you. Uh, well, we appreciate you listening today. And uh, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can go to our website at redhousebc.com. Uh, if you ever have any questions or comments about the podcast, you go to our Facebook page at Rooted27, and uh, you can message us there or comment. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube page or go to uh, Apple Podcasts as well to subscribe and hear all our latest episodes. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for watching. You can connect with us via our website at redhousebc.com or connect with us on social media by searching for Rooted27 or you can also subscribe by searching D House Media RHBC on YouTube. Subscribe now.